there seems to be something that every single business owner wants more of, and that is clients. And you want to know what I do not stress about in my business? Clients. I want to teach you how to do the same. But before I dive into the practical, tactical work of getting, signing, keeping high-paying clients that love you and you love them, I want to share with you three client horror stories, which will hopefully help you feel less alone and show you how far I've come. So let's dive in. You're listening to Aesthetically Speaking. On this podcast, we're talking about all things branding, logos, colors, fonts, and the strategy behind it all. It seems like these days it's easier than ever to build an audience, but harder than ever to stand out online. My name's Rebecca, and I'm a brand strategist and designer. I'm here with my sister, Abby, a lawyer who needs a creative outlet. Together, we're going to talk about how to bring your brand to life. So like I said, I have three client horror stories I want to share with you. And I share these to show you that I'm not a robot. I'm human, just like you to show you that you're not alone in the struggles that you face with your clients and to show you how I have overcome these through a lot of experience, trial and error, and strategic decisions on my part to make my client experience the best it can be. So without revealing too many details, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories in chronological order so you get an idea of how my business has evolved over time. We're going to go back to around 2014, 2015, when I had graduated from BYU, but I was still living on campus because my husband was there and I was working full time and just kind of dabbling in freelance design. And there was somebody connected to BYU who wanted some marketing and design help with an event they were putting on. And my experience at this point had been working for the theater department, creating flyers, posters, programs, that kind of thing. So this was right up my alley. And I met with this individual, submitted a proposal for their project. And let me just tell you what was entailed. Okay. So this was a full brand identity. There was no strategy because I wasn't smart enough to know that strategy would help them and me at that point. So it was just the design. Then there was an entire website as well as social media pages. I think I even managed the Facebook page and there were all of the event materials. So like the posters, the flyers, the tickets, Um, The programs, all of that stuff was included in this package. And for all of this work, I charged, drumroll please, $600 to be paid in two installments, $300 up front, $300 at the completion of the project. And I think I did have a contract at this time, but it was probably very, very loose. So there were a few fatal flaws in this project. Number one was that I didn't charge enough. And as soon as I started doing this work, I realized that I didn't charge enough and I really felt locked in and I didn't know what to do. And I just felt this massive frustration and resentment towards the client, towards the project, towards myself. And it was just awful. That that was truly the worst. The second thing was that I didn't have great boundaries. And so every time the client wanted to meet with me in person or over the phone, I would say yes. And they would talk about all these ideas and I would go home and I would do all these things for them without saying, I'm sorry, that's outside of the scope of this contract. If you want me to do more work for you, you're going to have to pay me more. And the last thing was that I had no kind of process and 
you'll hear about this later in this episode, but today I have a very mature button-down process. I truly lead my clients through every step of deciding what they want for their business, identifying who their audience is, what their brand should be, and creating that for them. But back at this time, I didn't have any of that. And so, like I said, I didn't do any strategy. I think I sat down with the client and talked about what they wanted. And then I created a bunch of logo designs. They didn't like any of them. They asked for more. I created more. They didn't like those. I redid them. They wanted to see these tweaks and those tweaks. And I just did it. And what happened was, A, I was frustrated, like I mentioned. And B, the end result was not very good. The logo that I created, it was acceptable. It was fine. It met the needs of the client, but it was not my best work. And I did not have the skills or the confidence to be able to say, you know what? I'm the expert here. This isn't going to work for you. And here's why. But I also didn't have the experience to know that I needed to listen to the client. I needed to ask some questions. And when they said, I don't like it, instead of just crying about it to myself, I needed to say, tell me more. What's not working for you? Why is that? Which is part of my process today. So the best part of this whole story is that the project took about six months, which can you imagine? I mean, I probably did hundreds and hundreds of hours of work for $600. And um, at the conclusion of the project, I waited for the second check to come and it didn't. And I reached out to my client and they assured me that it was coming, but it was the, through the university. And so the university would be cutting the check and yada, yada, yada. Long story short, months later, I still had not been paid. So I had done all of this work for $300. And at some point, you know, after months of reaching out and going through this red tape, I determined that it was not worth my time to do this and I let it go. And at that point, I was, I could laugh about it because I was like, you know what? This is my fault for not managing this project well. And that is something that I believe wholeheartedly has helped me have better projects and get and keep clients is the fact that I do not expect my clients to know how to be a client. Even if they have hired or outsourced other things in their business before, most of the time they have not worked with a full service creative studio like me. And so I take it upon myself to walk them through the process, to hold their hand, to make sure they understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, how long it's going to take. And I don't expect them to know what they need to know. I expect to teach them. And that alone has changed so much of my client process. So fast forward another year or so, and I had a actually a teacher reach out to me who was starting a blog and they wanted me to design the blog header, not not even the blog, just the little header that goes at the top. And if you remember the days of Blogger or Blogspot, it was a thing. It was like an Instagram account. You know, everybody had a blog. And so at this time, I decided, okay, I'm I'm not going to charge, you know, for a big lump thing. I'm going to charge by the hour. And so I charged the client $10 an hour to create the blog header. And I did meet with them and got some ideas. I remember talking, writing some things down, 
um, getting some, you know, like getting some visual inspiration because that was something that I hadn't done before. Like, tell me what, what styles you like, what colors you like, and then, you know, hoping to kind of align that. So took all that information and I designed a blog header and um, they didn't like it. And uh, I, I felt like I had delivered exactly what they wanted, but they didn't like it. And so, you know, I, I went back and I did some more work and presented again and they didn't like it again. And I think I went through three, maybe four designs for the blog header and, you know, between revisions and designs and communication ended up being about six hours of work. Maybe it was even nine hours of work. I might be misremembering, but I remember that when I sent over the final bill, it was higher than they expected. And the client was basically, they were frustrated because they didn't like the end result. So they didn't even want to use any of the designs that I had created and they didn't want to pay me at all. And if you are in a client-based business and your client tells you that they don't like what you've delivered, so they don't want to pay for it, that is a very, very frustrating situation because paying for a service is not like paying for a physical product. You can't just return it and resell it to somebody else. I can't get that time back. And so it's kind of like, well, where does that leave me? Right. And there were some harsh things said. And ultimately, I let them walk away without pain. And, um, you know, you can disagree with that decision. You might disagree more with the next client story. But at the end of the day, it was more important to me to try and maintain some semblance of a positive relationship than it was to get my 60 or $75 or whatever it was at that point, even though at that time, that was a lot of money. And the other thing that I learned from this experience is A, I don't love charging by the hour. And that's not to say I never do it. I think there is a time and place for done-for-you service providers to charge hourly or charge you know, a, a flat project fee. But I, I didn't love charging by the hour. And I realized that I should have been communicating, right? Every hour that went by, I should have been notifying the client so that they weren't surprised by the total bill, which is something I do now, right? With my creative partnerships where they are somewhat hourly based, you know, I provide them weekly reports, letting them know what we've accomplished and how many hours it took and how many hours they have left in their package. And I also let them know when we've reached the end of those hours, if they want me to continue working on something or wait for the next month or how they want to handle that. So there's a lot of communication that was missing at that time. And like I said, I chalked it up to a learning experience and I moved on. It wasn't worth it to me to, to fight it anymore, but it was really disheartening. So that brings me to experience number three, which is sometime before 2020. And I was doing a little bit more freelance at this point and I had raised my prices. I had better processes going on and I was doing a website for a client and this client was a brand new business, which is important to mention because I typically work with clients who have been in business a little bit longer. It doesn't mean that if you're just starting your business, you shouldn't have a website or a brand. That's not what I believe at all. But I mention that because now when I talk to clients, I try to get an idea of 
where they are in their business. Have they signed clients before? Have they sold products before? Do they have evidence that this is going to work? Because I don't just want to take people's money and create something beautiful that doesn't do anything for them. Okay. I really do want my services to have a strong return on investment. But at this time, again, I didn't have the experience or the maturity to ask those questions. And so the client came to me and said, I'm starting this business and I want a website. And I said, okay, great, let's go. So we built the website and I did a much better job this time of asking questions. We had a more formal strategy process. And, you know, I even presented mock-ups of the design to the client before I developed the website, which is what I should have done with the blog header client. But, you know, I was doing a much better job of communicating with the client and delivering what they wanted and having that kind of check-in every so often so that we stayed on the same page. And what happened in this situation was a month or so after the client website was launched, the client came back to me and basically let me know that they hadn't gotten any sales, their business wasn't performing the way that they wanted to, and they felt frustrated with the role of the website in those results. Basically feeling like if it was such a great website, why weren't they getting sales? This was really hard for me because, like I said, I really, really care about my clients' success. And I do not just want to take people's money and run. I really want to deliver value. And I believe that I am delivering value that is far beyond the price I'm charging. And so this was, this was really, really hard for me and really shook me. And I think there were a few things that I learned from this that. I've since done a lot better. One is most clients don't really know how to manage a website. And so it wasn't fair for me to just hand off a website and say, okay, good luck. You know, talk to you later. I really needed to help them transition from me managing the website to them managing the website, which is something I do now. And the other thing was I needed to better prepare my clients' expectations for their website. Because I'll be totally honest with you, just a website is not enough to grow your business. Okay. If you have a lot of traffic to your website, that can grow your business. If you have a great marketing plan, that can grow your business in conjunction with a website. But just because you have a beautiful website, it's like opening a store in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Even if the store is beautiful and well-organized and your prices are great, if nobody knows that it's there, if nobody cares about what you're selling or needs it or wants it, it's not going to do much. And so I do a much better job helping my clients understand where their brand and website fits into the grand scheme of their business. Because branding and design and websites, all of that stuff, They're not magic levers that you pull to make a million dollars in your business. I wish that were the case, but it's not. They are part of an ecosystem that helps your business grow. So what happened with this client is, again, they they wanted a refund actually for the whole website. And I was a little more confident in myself and confident in my contract 
And I knew that I was not obligated to give them anything. But like I said, I really value my client relationships. Even if this person never hired me again, I wanted to be as kind and as fair to them as I possibly could without being unkind and unfair to myself. So I did end up refunding them 25% of their project fee, which basically means I did the project at a loss. But I value what I learned from that client so much that I think I would have paid to have that experience. And that's really what I want to talk about in today's episode. I hope these stories help you feel like, okay, everybody starts somewhere. We don't all know what we're doing right from the get-go, but I do want you to know that I know how to take care of my clients now. And finding clients, signing clients, keeping clients, you know, I have clients that I have worked with now for three, almost four years because I love them so much and I know how to take care of them. And I want that for you. And if you can take a minute and look at client in the biz, they call it client acquisition and retention. But I like to think of it as just client care. If you can look at that through the lens of your brand and some of the habits that are involved with building a great brand, I think you will be amazed at not just the number of clients that you work with, but truly the caliber of clients that you get. Because like I said, I have had clients that are a struggle and I've had clients who don't pay. I've had clients who want a refund. I've, I've had those experiences, but it's been a long time. I can't think of a single client for the last two or three years that hasn't paid me or has been difficult or that I just haven't loved to work with because I have refined my process and my client management skills so much. And I want that for you. And I want you to see how your brand can help you have more, better clients. So let me walk you through five branding habits that will help you in taking care of your clients. And if you are a coach or a consultant or a service provider of any kind, your clients are your business. I hope you love them. I hope you value them. And I hope that you take this advice really seriously because without my clients, I am nothing. And they know that. (laughs) I, I adore them and I try to spoil them and I try to be very generous in my work for them. Not just because they're paying me, but because I truly see their highest potential as individuals and as business owners. And I'm just grateful for them. So the first thing, the first habit I want you to work on is the habit of writing, speaking, and articulating your thoughts. I want you to refine everything you say to be more specific and more on brand. I read a book recently called Free Time that's about being a one-person business. And in this book, the author shares this concept of creating original public thought, which is basically a podcast or a blog or an Instagram where you can create content that is based around your ideas, your passions, your curiosities, and being able to articulate those ideas succinctly and powerfully in a way that reflects what your brand is all about helps 
draw those clients in. So the more you can talk about what's important to you in your business, the more those clients will align with that and want to work with you. They say that if you don't know what you think, you can't know what you write. And if you don't know what you write, you don't you can't know what you're going to say. So take time to be with your thoughts, to write them down, to speak them, and to organize them effectively. I see this all the time where coaches and consultants especially have great ideas, but they don't always express them in a way that's on brand. So sometimes they use a really like gentle, passive voice. And other times they've got this real tough love attitude. And I think you really need to decide what your brand is and then embody that in the tone of your writing and speaking. The second habit that you can develop in your brand to get better clients is to be obsessed with your clients. And I say obsessed intentionally. I think you have to care about your clients in a way that almost nobody else will. And when you do that, that's what creates miracles for your business and for them. I think in the past, when I was charging my clients way less money, I cared way less about them. And today, charging my clients a lot of money, I care deeply about them. And I care about them as people. I care about them as business owners. I care about them as wives and mothers and creatives. And I want them to know that. So you cannot care about people that you don't know and that you don't understand. And I think we would all do well to spend more time talking to our ideal clients and to do it without ulterior motives, to do it just because we care about them. And one thing that I think of often is that my Instagram or my podcast is for my clients and that whether somebody pays me or not, I want to treat them like a client. So I try to answer people's questions as thoroughly as I can. I try to be as open as I can. I try to share without an agenda so that everyone who interacts with my business and my brand feels that I care about them and knows the ways in which I can help them. So a great example of this for a paying client of mine is Alice of Cozy Baby Sleep has an incredible blog library of very in-depth blogs that she's written on various baby sleep topics like the four-month sleep regression and when to stop swaddling and that kind of stuff. And I was thinking about her and wanted to do something nice for her business. And so I hired my copywriter to optimize her eight most popular blogs for better SEO. So adding in the headings and the alt tags and judging up the descriptions a little bit. I didn't do it because I wanted Alice to pay me more. And I I didn't do it because I thought that her business was going to fail without it. I did it because I care about her. And I noticed that that's something that could help her business. And so I did it. And the other thing that I want to mention with this is that when you charge your clients enough money, it makes it easier to do things like that without getting worried about how it's affecting your bottom line, right? So yes, I technically did not make as much profit from 
Alice's retainer that month as I did in other months because I took some of that money and put it towards copywriting. But that was okay with me because I truly care about her and I care about her business. So I think if you can develop the habit of making your clients feel special, I think that will go so much farther for your business than many other efforts. And it kind of reminds me, maybe you've heard this quote or this saying that every business owner is a salesperson. I think that makes a lot of sense because if you don't know how to market your business, you don't have a business. But I really believe that every coach and every client-based business needs to be a client relationship manager. And you have to make that a huge priority in your business because your clients are your business. And I say this all the time, but my client's success is my success. I do not care about anything else. I want them to be successful. So habit number three of a brand that helps you get more clients is I call this branding self-care. And what this is, is regular opportunities to step back and take care of your brand and your business kind of from the back end. So it doesn't have to be any kind of strict routine, but I would say at least once a quarter, maybe every other month or so, take time to look at how your business is doing, to clean up your documents, reevaluate your personal goals, change up your freebies, make sure that the emails that people are getting are on brand and look good and sound like you. And don't let your business become so automated that it becomes stale, right? Your brand is interesting when it's fresh and when people can tell that you are putting personal effort into it. So do that every so often. I have a little checklist that I like to go through that's basically like do something nice for a client, evaluate the speed of my website, revamp my email signature, download my freebie or update my freebie, create a new highlight on Instagram. You know, some of these things that just really get put on the back burner, but really help us move our business forward. Okay. I have two more branding habits and then another little exercise that I want to walk through. So habit number four is to refine your craft. This goes along with what I was saying about every business owner has to be a salesperson. Okay. Do not put so much energy into learning how to market your business as a coach or a consultant that you lose your skills as a coach or consultant. I'm going to say that again because I think it's important. Do not put so much energy into learning how to market your business as a coach that you lose your skills as a coach, okay? And I think this is really hard to do because marketing is so important. But if you really care about having a long-lasting, successful business, you can't just care about marketing your business. You have to care about the actual value and service you're providing through your business, okay? So this is where it helps to get someone to audit your work or to evaluate the outcomes or the results of your past clients and determine if what you're doing is, is serving them or if there are adjustments that you need to make. It looks like taking a course, not on marketing, but on developing your own 
skills. It looks like refining your process. It looks like articulating your framework. The last branding habit that is, in my mind, the most important habit you can develop is to upgrade your self-image. And I know that I've been talking about this a lot, but the truth is that you cannot think poorly of yourself and expect to get amazing results in your business. You can only grow to the limits of your beliefs. If you believe in yourself, you will be successful. And it might not come in the ways that you think, but I do believe that successful people believe in themselves. So this is what I would ask you to do. To upgrade your self-image, ask yourself, what can I remove, elevate, upgrade, or add to my business to embody my future self? And I think to do this, you also have to really know who your future self is and who you want to be, which is what I help my clients figure out. Because it's so crucial in knowing what your goals are. So some of the ideas that I've had in terms of upgrading your self-image, raise your prices. Just do it. (laughs) Everybody needs to do it. Just do it. Join a mastermind group. Hire a business coach. Rebrand your business. Collect evidence that you are doing better than you think you are. Okay. And here's what I mean by this. I used to do this exercise. Um, I used to literally collect physical evidence of things that I wanted to believe. So this is a silly example, but I think it translates well. When we were looking to buy a home, it was during COVID and there was so much competition and prices were really crazy and things were moving so quickly. And we started to feel really overwhelmed and discouraged that we'd be able to get the house that we wanted, get a house that we wanted, I should say. So I started to collect evidence and I would just watch and listen for evidence that what I wanted to do was possible. So when I would hear about somebody who had just bought a new house, I would write it down. Like, oh, that person bought a new house. If it's possible for them, it's possible for me. I would get on Zillow and I would just look at houses and write down how many houses there were in our price range, even if I wasn't excited about them, right? Five houses available in our price range, right? That's not zero. That's not nothing. There are options. And as you train your brain to look for evidence that you are a successful business owner, that you are a really good coach, that you are a really good client relationship manager, you will find evidence and you will also know how to be better. So like I said, you can really only grow your business to the limits of what you believe is possible. And if you don't believe in yourself, your clients are not going to believe in you either. So if you're still with me, I want to explain my process and how this process will help you develop these habits for your business. If you've been listening to this podcast and you're curious about what exactly happens when we work together and what you get in terms of the actual deliverables, like digital assets that you get, this is for you. So the very first thing that we're going to do when we start working together is have a consultation. A lot of people try to eliminate this, right? Like, let's just start working together. And I really like to have a consultation because I really want to make sure that I understand what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve and what your vision is. And I also want to use 
this consultation as an opportunity to push you a little bit and to say, okay, what do you mean by that? What do you really want? So we start with a consultation. It's a very low-key conversation for us to get to know one another and for me to present the overarching idea of what your brand could be. So from there, I give you some branding homework. And this involves two things, a questionnaire, like a just a little form that you have to fill out. It takes about five to 10 minutes and a Pinterest board. This is one of my favorite parts of the whole process because the questionnaire really helps me see in your brain and it helps me understand what's important to you in the way that you write it. And the Pinterest board helps me get in your brain in the way that you see things. So I really, really love to have a few different ways of understanding you. Like I said, I try to really be obsessive about my clients in a good way and really understand them. So this is not just, oh, pin a few things that you like and I'll turn that into a logo. This is a very strategic use of visual inspiration to align our ideas and to help you change your mindset around beauty and design. And I know that sounds lofty, but that's really what I'm hoping to do. So I take that information and we have our brand strategy session, which is the the big kahuna. It's the two-hour call where we sit down and I ask you lots of questions. I don't expect you to know anything before that call. I don't want you to come with anything. I just want you to come and be open and talk to me. And I'm really, really good at listening and really, really good at understanding. And some of the things that I ask are similar to the things that I ask on the questionnaire because I want to compare them. I want to see where there are discrepancies between what you're saying on paper and what you're saying out loud. And I want to take that and I'll turn it into your actual brand strategy, which is just a digital document that outlines what your brand is all about makes it super, super clear. So it has your audience, it has your self-concept, and it has the messaging for your brand. So then between the strategy and the brand design, there's a middle step that I call the stylescape. And this is basically a halfway point where I look at the strategy and say, from this strategy, here are some of the creative solutions that match with that strategy. And It's a gut check for you to say, yeah, we're on the right track before I start designing anything. This is just one of the ways that I create a better client experience than what I did for my three client horror stories. Because before I design anything, I have spent hours and hours and hours listening talking, writing, researching, and really understanding what it is that you want and what you need and what you're looking for. So by the time I sit down to design, I have a very clear idea of what I'm doing and you have a very clear idea of what you're going to get. So after the stylescape is presented and reviewed, I create and give you your brand design. And this is the logo, colors, fonts, typography, imagery, icons and illustrations if you need them, all of that stuff. It's this is a it's a big thing to go through and this is one of the most exciting parts for my clients because it's really where all of the ideas that 
were written and spoken and seen by you are now written and spoken and seen specifically for you. And it's really powerful. This is the number one thing that helps my clients upgrade their self-image, to be able to see themselves as their highest business self. So after I deliver the brand design, I also deliver brand collateral. Collateral is kind of an industry word that just means additional materials. So I create social media templates, any photography or imagery assets that you need. I also create a comprehensive brand guideline document that outlines how your logo and colors should be used in different applications. And then from there, I deliver all of your brand assets and we start work on your website. So we have a website strategy similar to the brand strategy where we sit down and say, okay, in a perfect world, what would it look like for somebody to go through your website? And we map that out. We nail down the objectives and I force you to get pretty specific here so that we know exactly what we're trying to create. And from that strategy, my team writes the copy. So if you can't tell, what I need you for in this process is your ideas, your insight, your thoughts and feelings, and your heart. I don't need you to do any of the work in creating. That's all on us. You just show up with your brain and your passion, and we will do the rest. So we write the copy for your website. It's all SEO optimized, organized, easy to understand. You'll review that, and then we'll actually do the design and development of your site. So we'll create mock-ups for each page so you can see what it's going to look like. Then you're, we're going to develop it, write all of the nitty-gritty custom code elements that you need, create the website, launch the website. And really the last piece is what I call website ownership. So I like to have a handoff video call where I transfer ownership of the website to you, walk you through the different pieces, and give you options for continued support in whatever fashion you need for your business. So that process, as you can see, is a lot more in-depth and a lot more intentional than what I was doing for my clients in the past. And each of these things comes with a deliverable, a digital asset, whether that's a document, whether that's a logo file, whether that's a Canva template that you can actually use in growing your business and maintaining your brand. And it also comes with some of these internal results that I've talked about, this confidence in your business, this elevated sense of self, this ability to raise your prices and not have clients bat an eye about it. And this process is what allows me to help my clients succeed. And before I sign off, I just want to let you know I really care about you. I really care about your business and your ideas and whatever you want to achieve. I believe it's possible for you. I believe that a better brand will help you get there. So I am not booking more clients for 2023. I am booked out, but I am accepting clients on my wait list for 2024. And I'm also going to be launching Personal Brand Mastery at the end of November. And I want anyone who's listening to this podcast to know that if you care about your brand, you're ready for this kind of support and I'm here to help you. Let me know if you have any questions and I'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aesthetically Speaking. If you want to support the podcast, please leave us a nice review or connect with us on Instagram at Rebecca Peterson Studio. 